Hello everybody, welcome to the Fastgate Rewatch Podcast, Episode 7. I am your host, Can't Wear Hats, and joining me is Red Nightmare. Hello! Hello! And we're going to talk about the episode PK Tech Girl. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both really like this one. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure where I stand on this episode, but I think at the end of it I'll be able to give a more clear reading on it. Yeah. Because I'm really, I'm really interested what you... What you're gonna say? Because you you told me beforehand that you really liked it. I... I'm gonna be interested to hear your case. Hmm. All right. Well. Okay. Well. Let's see then. Let's see. So this is, as you may know from the can tell from the title, PK Tech Girl. PK standing for Peacekeeper. We're gonna ah. we're gonna get into the sort of a bit more of Peacekeeper lore and backstory and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. you can probably guess which member of the crew this is going to feature heavily. Yep. It's right. going to be Rigel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually where we open up. We see an alien eye, and it takes a moment to oh, realize yeah. that actually Rigel. It's like a, out an extreme, like, extreme close-up yeah, of Rigel's like, eye. Oh, my God. The puppet is that good. Yeah. And he's staring basically at a ship out of the view screen. Yes. And it's a dead peacekeeper ship, basically. A peacekeeper ship that is... Lying in space, I think it's in like the rings of a gas giant planet or something. Yeah, I, th- I think something like that. And what do they do with it? Do they just, you know, get out of there? Maybe there's some stuff they can use. Um, Crichton and Zan want to get out while they still have the chance. When you see a big dead animal, you don't s- stay around to figure out what killed it. Yeah, because, yeah, exactly. They're worried about, well, what could do this to this huge peacekeeper ship? It's like a cruiser or something. It's huge. It's like, massive. It's probably the biggest ship they've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but Dargo, he wants to check the any data left on the ship for possible star charts back to their homeworlds, because if you remember, they're in the Uncharted Territories, and they're also kind of figuring out, wait, why is there a peacekeeper ship in the Uncharted Territories? And Aaron also wants to know, she needs to know, I think she says who the ship she- is. I think she literally says who she is. Who she is, yeah. So she needs to figure out what happened to this peacekeeper ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Rigel comes in with some information because he knows what it is. He says it's the Zelbinian. It's the ship Rigel's tortured on right after his capture. Yeah. Oh. Yep, it's the most feared ship in the peacekeeper armada. And it went... It, went missing over like it was like a hundred cycles ago yeah it's under cycles they mentioned like over 100 cycles it was considered invincible yeah <laughs> now it's a piece of junk so it's like what what yeah did you this? really don't want to know you really don't want to know what did this you don't want to stick around to find out but that's exactly what they are going to do um more or less so yeah they're going to dock with it and aaron Crichton and dargo are going to go over and investigate yes so they hop over there and they go to, you know, check it out. And it looks like a big industrial uh, thing on the inside. It's like a, you know, a factory or like just piping and metal grates and chains and things everywhere. I really, throughout the episode, I really like, I don't know where, where they found this building that's masquerading as this ship, but it's <laughs> gorgeous. Yeah, it really Perfect looks great. for this. Yeah, and I actually think... You're right in that it is a building, but they do, unlike certain other, um, let's say, cheaper sci-fi shows that will um, (laughs) not do a very good job disguising that the, quote, inside of a spaceship is just a factory and quite clearly a building. Mm. Um, They actually, because I think part of the, because of the way it's lit, very dark and dim, you actually, you are sort of, 
I guess, fooled a little bit better. Yeah. That, that this is the inside of a massive ship and not just, you know, Joe's uh, hat factory. <laughs> it gives a very, very strong... Uh, it reminded me a lot of Alien. I was going to say the exact same thing. It really did. And there's another reason this episode reminded <laughs> me of Alien, because I checked something. I think what Aaron is wearing is pretty much what I was uh, Ripley is wearing in... Ep- I think it's Aliens. I think yes, it's, it's Aliens. She, so, yeah, this uh, episode involves at least... Uh, for a little bit, involves Erin basically getting her Ellen Ripley on. Because she has the grey tank top um, and, like, black uh, trousers or whatever, and is carrying, like, a two-handed weapon slung around her Mm -hmm. neck. Mm -hmm. Kind of like like a big uh, rifle, which is somewhat reminiscent of the flamethrower from Aliens. It seems like a pretty direct homage, especially... In one of the establishing shots of the uh, inside of the peacekeeper ship, mm-hmm. where there is a bunch of chains hanging yeah, down yeah, yeah, with yeah. things I dripping saw, off I them. I saw this scene as well. <laughs> I, I wanted to mention that as well. There's water dripping off, and it's like I saw this. Like, isn't this alien? It's like, like I think that, I think I've seen this one. It's like that plus uh, what uh, Aaron's costume is in this episode. I'm like, that's gotta be a yeah, direct alien. Yeah, that can't be. That has to be intentional. Or, yeah, but it's not ever any more uh, in your face than that. It's just yeah, like... I, I'm kind of disappointed that uh, John doesn't make a reference to it. That would <laughs> that would have been kind of on the nose, but yeah, that's I think I, mean... I I I think I'm glad he didn't because, like you said, it would have been a bit on the nose. But I like on the nose sometimes. <laughs> but sometimes I'm, sim- it works. I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, so they're looking around the ship, Aaron, uh, Dargo, and Crichton. And basically, it seems like it's just junk. There's nothing there. There's just yep. a load of dead people. But Crichton has found a console which has the lights still on. Ah. Communications. Mm. Um, but Aaron says, well, someone must have turned it on recently because this ship went missing 100 cycles ago. So even if it wasn't destroyed, it shouldn't be, that shouldn't be still working. And one of the corpses starts to move. Zombies! Nope. <laughs> Not this time, because underneath it is a very alive uh, peacekeeper woman. And Aaron basically fires at her. Basically attacking uh, this woman who's leapt out from underneath and trying to get away. And Crichton's like, whoa, whoa, settle down. What the hell's going on? Everybody calm down. No, 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 no. Don't kill her. And um, the peacekeeper, who we find is named Jelena, she recognizes them. She knows who they are. It's yeah. uh, Officer Aaron's son and the escaped prisoners. And Crichton's like, well, how do you know that? And Aaron knows how she knows, because I know you know I know. <laughs> <laughs> but Aaron replies that she's a tech from Crace's ship. Uh-oh. Oh, so that means around? they've been through here. There is one good thing about this, because apparently Crace has overshot them. So with a bit of luck, if they don't travel too quickly, it might just pass them by yeah like he's he's been through here already which probably means he isn't coming back this way yep so, so. at least for the moment they seem to be safe from Chris. but which, still they're worried that but he's, he's he might be closer by than they think mm, yeah so Aaron is sort of questioning her <laughs> in um, peacekeeper fashion she she goes into full and Crichton actually references this full like drill sergeant mode yeah she of, really she's really tiring uh jelena out like trying to use uh basically hard discipline to get her to tell the truth and i like that john steps in 
Yeah, he, and Aaron doesn't. And Aaron doesn't just whack him to the ground. And that she says, "Don't interfere. This is my world." Yeah, I really like that line. Yeah, and she does a very good job of being intimidating. Um, it's also helped by the fact that the woman playing Jelena is actually a bit shorter than uh, Claudia Black, so mm-hmm. she can actually look down on her quite effectively. Yeah, she, uh, Jelena's actress is not that tall. No, it's like a head shorter than um, than Browder. Yeah, and she's again another Australian actress. Funnily enough. <laughs> because that's where this whole thing was shot, and she's got blonde hair and just fairly short, and is being menaced by Aaron. <laughs> and let's be honest, Aaron can be terrifying when she wants to be. Yeah, but Crichton is trying to get her to give Jelena a break, and, and Aaron rightfully counters, like, "No, no, no, you don't understand this. She's from Chris's ship. Her mission is going to be to lie to us as much as possible." And John's like. Point taken. I like, I like that John does actually take Aaron's advice as someone who knows how peacekeepers work. He's not yeah. just like, ah, oh, no, but this is how you should do. He's like, okay, I get it. Carry on. But uh, then he counters with, you know, if she drops dead, then you won't get any answers. So he's up a little bit. Yeah, en- enough to keep her alive. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, while this has been going on, Rigel, he refuses to go over. He doesn't want to go to the Zelbinian. He doesn't want to go looting. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> that really made me start looking at things again in the in a Dungeons and Dragons kind of way. <laughs> when um, Aaron, when sorry, when Zan says to Rigel, like, you don't want to go looting. You, you always like to loot. <laughs> I mean, to be completely fair, that was. I feel that was a good reference without straight going to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, it's no, a, that that is a fair. good way of no, her noticing. Like, usually you're the first one to start plundering. Yeah, for riches. Listen, we especially made... because especially because he counters like I'm a domino. I want to stoop that low. I think you stooped that low the thir- last three or four wreckages we found. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, we have a habit of basically turning these episodes into D and D references. Oh, trust me, I'm coming. I'm coming back to the references. All right, all right, okay, okay. <laughs> but he doesn't want to loot it because, uh, as we said, that actually he was on board this ship when he was deposed about 130 cycles ago. He was captured and put onto the Peacekeeper ship where he was tortured. So, yeah, he really yeah. doesn't want to go back over there. doesn't want to revisit that. PTSD. Yeah, basically. But Zan says, well, you should confront your demons. Yeah, it, this episode deals with some heavy stuff as well. It does. Like, this is a very heavy episode. The last few episodes, I think, have been, like, adventures. And this episode gets very heavy. Mm. But back on the Peacekeeper ship, Jelena has told uh, Aaron and Crichton that uh, what actually happened was Krace sent her unit over, and two days later another ship turned up and blew up their Marauder. <laughs> yeah, basically. And the reason that Krace isn't here anymore is because he didn't want to postpone his search for Crichton. He realized how important the Sylvanian mm. was, but on the other hand, it's like, I, I'm a man on a quest for vengeance, I'm not stopping. Here, yeah, you, you guys go figure this out, call me if there's trouble. Yeah, we'll be back Boy. for you later or something. And there was trouble, and Dargo says it's the Shayangs, a um, yeah. group of aliens who we've not met before. No, but apparently they... they're scavengers. Yeah, uh, because, yeah, he's been looking for stuff to scavenge from the ship and finds that it's already been gutted completely dry, basically. Yeah. But they couldn't have done it all, he says. And there are no records of what happened either because the ship's data stores were scavenged. Yeah, which apparently isn't something the Shayang would do. They're more concerned with, like, material things. Mm-hmm. that they can sell or something. And then Rigel appears on the Zelbinian, having taken Zan's advice, and is taking a look around, and is quite clearly shaken. He's not mm-hmm. not having a good time. But he's caught up to where everyone else is, and when he sees Jelena, 
he just spits right in her face because <laughs> he again he's like he really really doesn't like peacekeepers especially yeah. on this ship because this is where he was tortured yeah and I like that John just lifts him out of his chair and is like cut it out uh, so he's gone off looking around a bit more and oh this is really creepy yeah that Rigel suddenly sees an ominous figure and says welcome home it's like Oh, oh no! So, the, so to give you an impression of what this guy looks like, he's bald, white man. I guess somewhere in his forties, fifties. I'd say. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, that. yeah. A big scar over his face and a glass eye, and uh, giving a very Hannibal Lecter vibe. A little bit, and also kind of like a movie Nazi villain kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, or like that James Bond well. villain with the big scar down his face or something. Yeah, and he's just right. Rigel's face. Oh god, he's terrified. Also, a very, no... very marvelously terrified. Yeah, terrified. Sheer terror on that puppet's face. At this point, we don't actually know if that's real or not. I'll, I'll be honest. I figured out pretty quickly which yeah. of the two it was, but well, because it's clear that oh. this is still very traumatic for uh, Rigel. Yeah, but... doesn't really matter if it's real or not for him. Yeah, exactly. And meanwhile, the others have found a dead body who is a victim of the Sheyang, part of Jelena's unit. But Eren also recognizes him. Yeah, because it's somebody from our old unit, apparently. But then she's like, well, what was he doing guarding the likes of Jelena? It's grunt work. Yeah, not the kind of work that people in her unit should have been doing. And Jelena reveals that Eren's whole unit was demoted once Eren defected. That's pretty harsh. I mean, that's in line with what we've seen from Peacekeepers, but... That also, it kind of shocks Aaron a bit because she had, I guess, up till now thought that what she had done had really only affected her and had yeah. only, you know, caused her world to be turned upside down. But nope, turns out actually what you did screwed over a bunch of other people as well. I just realized maybe we should start keeping a peacekeepers or assholes count. <laughs> I mean, we're going to run out of room or numbers for that very quickly. Just like, <laughs> peacekeepers are assholes. Yes, confirmed. Yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. And also, the only way for her Eren's unit to be reinstated to their former rank is when Eren dies. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there's a decent chance that their old unit is basically out to get her now. Yeah, well. must be, like along with everyone else. <laughs> the peacekeeper Ooh. ships. Uh, and as if that wasn't enough to deal with, pilot has spotted a ship coming in. Just on the edge of ra- uh, sensor range. Yeah, just trying it, to stay out of sight. It's like hiding. And Zan confirms it's a Sheyang vessel. Oh no. Oh. Yeah. They're back. <laughs> and Eren is like, okay, why are the Sheyang's back? She she gets really up, upset and just grabs Jelena. And just like, you're a traitor, you knew they were coming back. You knew you led us here, you let them you're gonna let them kill us. And Jillian says, Nope, I'm not a traitor, I'm not, I didn't know. And again, Crichton steps in to break it up. That seems to be the role he's falling into this episode. <laughs> it's like, okay, stop it, stop fighting, talk to each other, let's mediate. Why are you grabbing that gun? <laughs> yeah. And he tells Jillian that, well, Aaron's no traitor either. But Crace didn't give her a chance. Not to... like the chance we're giving you. And so she tells uh, them that she actually hid while the Sheyangs took everything. That's why she's still here. Not mm-hmm. because of some kind of deal with them to you know, lure people in or something. And so Dargo has returned to command where Zan wants to get out of there. They want to leave. He's like, you know what? Take it. 
We'll, we'll leave. It's fine. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> but uh, then Dargo says, because apparently he's dealt with Shayangs before, he says that when Shayangs see strength, they flee, and when they see weakness, they destroy. So if you try and run, we'll be blown up. And also, we get a shot of the Shayang, and they're frog people. <laughs> yeah. Jim Hansen Company, yeah, this best, ladies and gentlemen. Strikes These again. things look amazing. They're so good. There's about, I think we only ever see three of them, but they're full sort of body costume. They've got, like, bulbous fingers and, like, uh, wide mouths and green kind of a little bit slimy skin and uh, beady eyes and all that stuff. Uh, I, I love the goggles most of them are yeah, on their foreheads, basic uh, jumper. Uh, you know. It looks really good. And the inside of their ship looks very, again, kind of industrial, but very close and small and full mm -hmm. of random bits and bobs like a Junker scavenger ship would look. No, it's I. I really like these guys. Actually, this is one of the my favorite pieces of this episode. These aliens, are like these, look great. Yeah, they look really and good. Culturally, we find out during the episode some interesting things about them as well. There's a good amount of you know character and world building there in yep. just those guys. Yeah, it's they only have a few scenes really, but in those scenes that you get, they get a lot, across a lot of information about this species. Mm. So on the peacekeeper ship. Crichton and Aaron and Jelena want, are going to try and get the Zelbinians' defense screen operational so that they yep. can survive the uh, the oncoming potential attack. Yeah, the potential attack. I mean, it's they're pretty much sure that they're going to try and blow them up. And funny enough, Crichton seems to understand what Jelena's trying to do because uh, Jelena's like, okay, well, we need to do this, this, and this. And, Aaron, and Aaron's not a tech, so she can't really do it. And she seems to be basically ignoring Crichton because, you know, whatever. But then Crichton's like, no, right, I see what this is. It's this thing and this thing and this thing. And she's like, yeah. oh, okay then. <laughs> I guess you can help. <laughs> I like that Jelena and uh, John are actually geeking out uh, together. Yeah. Like, they, they are both scientists and they might be in slightly different fields, but uh, they, I mean, they both know how to build ships. So the Shayangs begin their weapon countdown. They're like, right, get ready to fire. <laughs> Start the clock. <laughs> Dargo is also mad salty at this point. He's very angry. He's pissed because he doesn't have anything to fight back with. Yeah, and so he starts swearing. He basically starts swearing at them. And what I really like about this is that he starts swearing in English and then very slowly goes over to Luxembourg. his own language. Yeah. I wonder if that's just because you, we reach the swears for which there are no translations. That, <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. That's a good one. Like, it's like, that doesn't really translate very well. <laughs> it's and a very if, particular swear. Either that or the translation microbes are like, no, 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 no. Nobody else needs to hear that one. That's fine. <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll just not filter that. It's fine. It's good. But then Zang gets the bright idea to get Pilot to transmit the image of Darko being very uh, angry and screaming at the uh, Shayangs. And the Shayangs are like, Luxon, oh, we're in trouble now. Stop the uh -oh. countdown. Stop the countdown. If there's one, there's also always more. Yeah, like, this is a pretty epic bluff yeah. that they're pulling off here. <laughs> it's like somebody rolled a 20 here. Yeah. <laughs> I like that it was Zan's idea, because um, Dargo is... I mean, he must know that that's what people think of Luxons, but he doesn't... He just gets angry. <laughs> yeah, he's just really mad at them. He just starts screaming, not even knowing that they could hear him at some point. Yeah. Suspending um, all his frustration at the view screen. So they've managed to buy themselves a bit more time. Basically, time to put the shield up. Yeah. Before they realize that there isn't actually anything else. There aren't any other Luxons there. <laughs> it's like, they don't even have a pea shooter. Yeah. And, and Crichton says, well, they can get the defense screen working in... Well, actually, Jelena said it will take eight arms. And remember, yeah. 
if you keep the score at home and on is basically an hour so it would take yeah. eight hours which that's not an amount of time they have but but John says no it'll take four arms because he can do half the work yeah he knows what he's doing so he's like yeah it's very sophisticated equipment and he's like yeah I love opera <laughs> I, I'll be honest I didn't get that joke the first time sophistication like, I, <laughs> I'm I, sorry I just drew a blank on that one I, I that's guess alright I, I mean you, that's the reaction of everyone else in that scene so <laughs> <laughs> fair enough you're fitting in well with the rest of the group <laughs> I feel right at home and then Dargo says to Zahn I don't want to... Oh, yeah, this is... I also. This is what I wanted to Here talk about, about D&D, because as we've established before, Dargo's, Dargo's player is the kind of character that's like, no, but this is what my character would do. And everyone else is like, come on. And this is exactly that again, because Dargo doesn't want to lie to his enemy. It's like, no, 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 I need to be... Uh, uh, Luxons are honorable. They don't lie to their enemies. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. I, I'm all, I was almost going to say, did he multi-class into Paladin? Maybe he did. So yeah, that, that, and Zan's like, look, I can't lie to them. They're only afraid of you. You're going to have to do this. And she's like, it's not lying. It's just misleading. It's, you know. <laughs> and then I like that uh, he says, like, for a priest, you have a very flexible uh, morality. <laughs> what she implies then is like, yeah, that's the reason I'm still alive. So meanwhile, uh, Jelena and Crichton are kind of working on the defense screen trying to get it operational and you know you know Jelena mentions that Crichton you killed Crace's brother. Yeah. You ass. Yeah, what was that all about? And but then he says, Well it was an accident. The two ships collided and could have gone either way. Um And she's she I think she believes him at this point. Yeah, because like this whole time he's been helping her and has been kind of on her side a little bit. Mm. Or at least trying to figure out what's been going on without jumping to conclusions. And so, yeah, she trusts him, it seems. So much so that when he says it was an accident, she believes him. And there's some kind of bonding going on here. They seem to be getting along. Yeah, these these two, I mean, they share an interest in science. Yeah. They're both not bloodthirsty killers. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and also the Sheangs, they kind of, they also don't believe that Dargo has soldiers with him who are bored the Zelbinian. <laughs> But Dargo's like, you want to come over and try? Yeah. Do you really want to try? I mean, sure. Come on over. Try to invade. We'll see how that goes. See what happens. Again, he's you know trying to bluff them, and it seems to be working for now. I mean, he's doing a pretty good job for somebody who who doesn't like lying. He's yeah. pretty confident. He's pretty good at it. And I like that Zahn is... Oh, yeah, she's, like... she's kind of like off-screen prompting him with things to say. Yeah. She isn't holding up prompt cards, but that could have been a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the Shang is kind of getting tired of this. He's like, you're trying my patience. Um, and Dargo's like, okay, the next time we talk to them, they're going to attack us. We've bought some time, but not a lot. So yeah, and while this is going on, and while Crichton and Jelena are getting close, Rigel is, uh, he's experiencing kind of some flashbacks, really, or visions of his torturer. He's hes hiding on Moya. He's kind of yeah. hiding inside a little uh, hole made out of, you know, bits and pieces and the... He's basically hiding under a bunch of boxes. Yeah, and the DRDs are kind of scouting around trying to uh, get in there. Um, but he's seeing his torture, he's seeing... We find out it's called Captain Durka. But then Zanz is like, well, Durka is dead. You know, Durka's dead. It's been a hundred cycles, he's, he's dead. He's dead. He's not dead to me. Yeah, he's still very much affected by this. Even though it was a hundred cycles ago, like... This is, I mean, this... I don't know how long 
his species lives, so Honda cycles might not actually be that long for him. Yeah, probably not. It's probably still relatively recent in his uh, lifetime. Um, mm -hmm. So Zan says, all right, then, well, you have to find Durka's corpse. That will set yeah. you free. So find proof that he's actually dead, and then you can be free of this uh, terrible, you know, memory mm -hmm. and so on. Actually, there's also something else that happens in this scene, and that's that Pilot says that the DRDs are getting nervous from what Rigel is doing. Yeah. And my response is, wait, the DRDs can get nervous? Apparently. I assume these things were just controlled by Moya. They didn't have an, their own personality, but apparently they do. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing with Moya is that she's a living ship, and um, I think the idea is that the extensions of her stuff, like the DRDs and Pilot, I mean, they're all, they're all alive in some fashion, hmm. including the DRDs. So, I to, yeah, I hadn't expected that, actually. So I was surprised when he said, it, like, wait, the DRDs are ac actually have feelings? Apparently. I thought they were, like, white blood cells or something that, I mean... I mean, they, yes, are. they are. I mean, they are part of the the body, but that doesn't mean they are they have their own personality, I mean. I mean, they've, they run around, they've got two little eye stalks, they make noises, you know. I assume that was just to make them cute. Yeah, no, that is, that is a, a nice detail of, like, oh, they're nervous. They have feelings, man. <laughs> Don't be mean to them. She makes it even worse that time Dargo kicked one of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You monster. But uh, meanwhile, on the Shayang ship, things are also not going that well over there because it's there's a frog mutiny. <laughs> <laughs> frog mutiny. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> but the, there's one of the Shayangs who I think the idea is that he's a sort of younger one who's yeah. less experienced and he's like... No, they're clearly bluffing. Let's go over there and get them. And the older, more experienced one is like, uh, wants to wait it out a bit more and to not be quite so hasty. Yeah, he's like, look, Luxons are never on their own. I don't want to get us straight into an ambush. That's a bad idea. Yeah. And then they fight. Yep, they have a proper fight and the uh, younger guy wins and he's like, all right, let's do this. And actually, during that fight, did you hear the sound effect that they used the moment the younger guy punches the older one out? Oh, what was it? That's the pie squashing sound effect that you'll uh, hear a lot in things where a pie is thrown in somebody's <laughs> face. It's like a... <laughs> that was actually the sound that, that it nice. was played when he was punched out. Yeah, I apparently... It's detail, but I was like, wait, what? That's probably apparently this, what it sounds like when two frogs punch each other. I, <laughs> I <guess> so. <laughs> there, I you love, learned something today. I love the sound, and I just put that in there. I was like, wait a second. I mean, they're, they're kind of amphibious and squelchy and a little bit um, slimy. Yeah, but they don't sound, don't sound like pie, let's be honest here. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's fair. It's just, it's just, I, I just like that minor detail. <laughs> so, yeah, the younger Sheyang has overthrown the leader, who's actually called Turak, mm -hmm. and is like, okay, fire! Fire on the Leviathan! Start and, the countdown again! Yeah, do that. <laughs> Uh, but Crichton, Jelena, and Aaron just about managed to get the defense screen active in time, so the weapon has no effect. Yeah, and they work together, they quickly do everything. Oh. It's, it, it's a cool scene, actually. This is a really good scene because it's very heavy action. It's, it's like a proper countdown. It's cutting between them, frantically trying to build up the defense shield and get it working. Pilot is saying, like, it's firing in, you know, five, four, and cut back to the Sheyangs, and they're like, fire, and it's just really tightly uh, the edited. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, the editing on this was very good. Yeah, it really gives that um, impression of uh, urgency and, you know, you're like, oh, what's going to happen? And uh, something I noticed from watching is that on DVD, you can kind of tell when they would cut to a commercial because there's like a short fade to black and then a fade back to the exact same scene. 
mm-hmm. when the uh, cannon fires at Moya, that's when there would have been a commercial break. Oh, that would have been brilliant. So it's like, I see what they did there. And then Good timing. when it comes back, it's like, everything's fine. So, yeah, watching that when it was aired would have been like, whoa, whoa, no. Proper kind of, uh, I oh, guess, a cliffhanger shit. almost. <laughs> yeah, a mini cliffhanger. Mini cliffhanger. Uh, I, what I really like is uh, we see a CGI shot from the outside as the shield comes up. And that is a very beautiful shot. Yeah, because... Like, the um, shield just starts at the back and just creeps around the ship slowly forward and then meets at the tip of the front. Yeah, what I like is... Just in time. It's beautifully rendered. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like a red... It's a red-colored shield, and it's like a, a bubble... kind. Of, it, it doesn't go out in, like, a big sphere around the ship, kind of like a Star Trek shield. It basically hugs the contours of the ship. Yeah, it keeps a, a, a set distance from the ship. And also Moya, because Moya is docked to them, so it goes around yeah. Moya as well. Um, yeah, and it looks really good, and they're, you know, they're hung in the, the backdrop of like the rings, in the middle of a ring system around a planet, and it's just a really nice-looking CG shot. I, I really like that. Yeah. It's real pretty. Also, um, I don't know if we've described like the Peacekeeper ships before, but the big cruisers like this, they're kind of like a long, thin uh, middle with uh, sort of like a circle around the middle kind of like a yeah around the middle slightly more to the back to the, the back front. yeah so it's more of a uh, uh well, nose i guess yeah and it's kind of hanging vertically so it's like with the middle bit sort of pointing straight down with the circle in the in the center yeah and uh, moya attached to one end so there you go but yeah it all worked everything's fine right right we're done okay good it's all good it's not <laughs> it's goodish it's good-ish. I think good-ish is probably the best word. It's all right, you know. Um, could have been worse. could have been better. Yeah, Pilot uh, informs everyone that the screen is actually not fully operational. Uh, the way the screen works is apparently it's two systems overlaid onto each other, and only one of them is working right now. Yeah, and it's basically leaving a lot of shifting holes uh, in the shield. Yeah, and they realize, well, they also don't have time to get the other one up and running, but what they can do is that... Uh, Crichton's like, well, why don't we take the other uh, system and put it on Moya? I mean, that would. I mean, if they could shrink the size of the ship because it only would have to cover Moya, that would, in theory, mean yeah, if, if, it would be more stable. Yeah, exactly. So it shouldn't be a problem. There shouldn't be any holes in it because it's a much, much smaller ship. And, and I like that Aaron and Jelena exchange glances and like, uh, you do realize what you're asking? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, kind of reluctantly, Jelena agrees. Like, okay, let's we'll do that. I, I like that she says, "I have been. I mean, I've been sworn to never do something like this. Uh, oh yeah, never integrate alien technology with peacekeeper tech. But I'll do it for you." Okay, actually, no. The line is, I, "It's better than that because it's, I'll not share peacekeeper technology with the enemy." Oh. And says, "But I'll do it for you." Oh, I hadn't even heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Ah, and pick that up. So what, I, what I do like is that she says, "I'll do it for you, I'll do it for all of you." It's like <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't uh, go with the "I'll do it for all of you," but it's very clear that she meant John, and then realized um, yeah. I should probably say the rest as well, otherwise I'm being <laughs> way too obvious here. Well, speaking of being way too obvious, <laughs> <laughs> well now. Jelena and John are left alone again to get, you know, take things apart and uh, get the systems ready for Moya. And 
they're, they're talking, you know, they're talking to each other about... Science geeking out. Yeah, science geeking out. I like out. that. Yeah, that... <laughs> he's like, uh, do you, you know, do you study uh, cosmic theory? And she's like, yeah, you know, what about this and that? And they really, turns out they have a lot in common. And <laughs> John actually... I like. I like that earlier they're also uh, basically uh, exchanging culture, really. Yeah. He's talking about entertainment and she's like, huh? Why, why would you watch that? <laughs> uh, and then, okay, so this is this is probably the cheesiest part of this entire I'm, episode. Sometimes I like a bit of cheese. Yeah, I, I, yeah. What I, what I, I mean, go ahead and tell, tell them what, the, what happens. <laughs> and we'll cut back to what I, why I didn't mind it that much. No, I, I didn't mind it at all, but I was like, oh, John, come on. <laughs> but um, he's talking about, like you said, entertainment. It's like, you know, these movies, they also have the part where the guy gets the girl and they're staring at each other and like, now kiss. <laughs> yeah. And what I really like is that um, Jelena, apparently Peacekeeper's Kiss slightly different? Yeah, she kisses John on his forehead. On his eyebrow, actually. Yeah, like, kind of, not she on the suck, mouth. She sucks his eyebrow. Mm. <laughs> Look, it's what happened. Let's be honest here. It's, it's a different culture, okay? Yeah. And I like that John, John actually laughs, uh, smiles a bit about that, and then, of course, they kiss on the mouth. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I see what's going on here. John, I mean, he's, he's, be... he's getting his Kirk moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's That's exactly what I thought as well. <laughs> it's like, God damn it, John, don't be a Kirk. But no, but I actually don't mind this one that much because in previous scenes, as we said, you can really see them bonding over shared culture, yeah. just liking each other's company. It's not like, oh, you're 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 a new girl. Well, I I have to make out with you. No, it's like they actually they actually build up to appreciating each other. It does also seem like John has found someone who he has more in common with than anyone else currently. Yeah, that's fair, actually. Yeah, <laughs> she's a tech. She's not a, a soldier. Um, yeah, but they also share, like you said, they also share a lot of interests. The reason I was like, during the scene, I was like, oh, come on, John, because I was like, you do know that there is an angry ship full of people outside who want to kill you, right? <laughs> like, what? we we can, if we get through this, then you can... Then you can have your Kirk moment. Like, <laughs> you got to take the stuff out right now and get away. <laughs> look, look. They're in a stressful situation. They weren't, they weren't sure if they're going to get out alive. Okay. Also, remember a few episodes ago where, where John was like, now that I get to Dargo? True. I like... Mm, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, but actually, <laughs> further to, to my point, Aaron walks in <laughs> and it's like, could you get on with your job, please? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And we, we found out that Erin is apparently super strong because she grabs oh, one of this... those pieces and just lifts it up on top of her. I thought this was funny because, yeah, the, uh, John has been pulling this big sort of like two meter long uh, block out of the wall, which is apparently part of the thing they need to install. It's really very heavy. And mm -hmm. They've been removing that and putting them on the ground. And Aaron, and Aaron comes in and is like, right. Back to work, and then just like you said, grabs it, lifts it up over her head, and then walks away. <laughs> and John's like, clearly pissed. Yeah, do not upset Aronson. You will no. regret it. No, no, you won't regret it. She won't give you the chance. Yeah, that's true, actually. Uh, but then, um, but Christ... John follows her, follows her into the corridor, and it's like, why are you so upset? And I, I, I'm, I'm kind of on her side with this. Of like, 
hey, this is a dangerous thing right now. We've got other stuff to deal with. But, um, and he's like, well, have you ever just, you know, clicked with someone, felt that attraction? And she actually says yes. Yeah, it's like, like, yes, but it's never, I've never just let myself distract by, I found you interesting in the beginning. It's not like I like you or anything. No, it's like, (laughs) only in the beginning. It's like, before I realize what an idiot you are, is is the (laughs) subtext that I'm, I think, I think, I, I actually, I heard the subtext being like, in the beginning, secretly I still like you, but I'm not ready to admit that yet. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I heard. All right. Okay. Yeah. No, I can see that as well. Um, <laughs> and John's like, oh, oh, um, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's good to uh, clear the um, clear the. Uh, I'll just go back and. Yeah. It's good <laughs> to clear the air. And she's and then she lifts the thing up overhead again. Walks away. It's like, yes, very clear air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Uh, so this again there's something between those two and I like I like that we're graduating from uh, establishing characters to establishing connections mm. between characters which yeah. I really like yeah we're establishing relationships yeah um, so we're one step further along the uh, story I guess so yeah John goes back to uh, continue the work of dismantling the pieces and putting them onto Moya so meanwhile oh, yeah, while Aaron and John have been having this <laughs> awkward conversation. Rigel's been confronting his demons, quite literally. Yeah, he, he finds uh, Durka's corpse. He does, and um, he, he realizes it's Durka because it has the glass eye and the scar down the face, mm-hmm. but is otherwise completely desiccated. Yeah. Um, and I like, he finds out that apparently there's a pistol in Durka's hand, so he took his own life. Yeah. And Rigel's like, you coward <laughs> you fucking coward you coward um, you coward and and then he spits on him <laughs> <laughs> I like that he doesn't say yeah the same thing he did to, to Julian it just spits on one of his eyes he's got a habit of doing that <laughs> yeah it's like he ha- he's like despite anything I'll remember this the fact that you lost and then he takes back there's like a little uh necklace that's in a box on uh, Durka's desk. Yeah, which... and we saw in a flashback scene that Durka took that from him. Yeah, so that's Rigel's, and he takes that back, and actually those flashback scenes, I don't think we talked about too much, but it shows Rigel being dragged across, like, the ground from, like, a grating from underneath. It shows him in mm-hmm. a cage, being, you know, stripped of his uh, necklace and robes, and Durka just uh, being very menacing towards yeah, him. Yeah, and so... he, uh, the way he flinches back whenever Durka gets close He's, to him, yeah. and that uh, cage scene. I love that. That was very convincing. Yeah, but now he's found Ducker's corpse and is at peace with the whole thing. Yeah, that's and that nicely rounds out that piece of uh, piece of his arc here. Okay. I but there is one thing I'm ho- I'm I'm slightly disappointed about by this because I really hope that they keep the necklace that we see him wearing that again because otherwise this scene would have no bearing on him going forward. I think. Hmm. I think it, it, it was I think something it, that was very contained to Selvinian, and will, it'll probably never come up again. Yeah, but actually, back on the Shayang ship, uh, the original commander—he's woken up and he's like, "Okay, what what did you do?" I, I appreciate that he actually says, "So you take over a high a high commander during a mission uh, during combat, and then you fail." It's like if you take an over and you succeeded, fine, but you also failed. 
It's like, that's what I'm mad about, that you yeah, screwed it up. Yeah, it's like, fair game for you trying to be show some initiative, knocking me out. Good job on you. You failed. Get out there. Try to make some amends, even if it costs you your life. Yeah, and so what they're going to do is they're trying to go through the holes in the uh, shield around the Peacekeeper ship. Because what they're going to do is launch a bunch of little pods with the uh, the Sheangs in them. Tiny little things to go through the uh, holes. I actually like this shot of them launching. Because mm. it's the CG model of the uh, Sheang ship, which, by the way, is not a typical spaceship. It's like... no. It's blocky and angular, and it doesn't look like... It's almost like a tower. Yeah. And um, it, the side of the tower, uh, like, I'm not meaning uh, small at the bottom, uh, large at the top. It's just a sort of blocky cylinder, Yeah, I guess. And um, it's always showing the side of the cylinder, not any of the, uh, uh, any of the two ends of the cylinder. Yeah, it doesn't appear to be flying end-on. It seems to be no. like going, yeah, like that. And on the side, there are these uh, triangular uh, mountings with uh, things inside of them, which we find out are the little pods because they line up and they fire out one by one. Yeah, like tiny little missiles. Yeah, which I think that's a really cool shot and like Mm. a really good bit of uh, design that is actually very unique. Yeah, props to the design department on that ship. Like like you said, it really feels like a junker. It's not built to look elegant. It's not built to look... uh, uh, aggressive refined. or no yeah. it's just this is what you strap together there's an engine in the back gun in the front eh, it doesn't look that great but it flies yeah so the shangs launch their pods trying to breach through the holes and um, most of them don't make it through <laughs> one of them does the one that goes through of course is the young guy yeah the... but because of his incompetence his entire units get killed <laughs> he's the like, only one to make it through these guys are as bad as the peacekeepers yeah, no, they, they're kind of terrible at this. <laughs> it's like, well, you brought the scrapes to your entire unit. Good luck, all of you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Aaron actually finds the Cheyang and is like, right, get on the ground. She points a massive gun at him. He's like, get on the ground, get down. And he just shoots a fireball at her. <laughs> it's like, like out of nowhere, it's like, <laughs> fireball. Like, holy shit. I like that Aaron's reflexes are quick enough to just jump out of the way, but it's like, where did that come from? It's just, I love the escalating um, nature of this. It's like, okay, the frog people, okay, they have this big weapon. Okay, they've got through in these tiny pots. Oh, and they can also breathe fire. Yeah, sure. Okay, why not? Why <laughs> not? Frogs with that, right? Why not? Why not? Because the DM hates you, that's why. <laughs> exactly. I was, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I attack it. It spits fire at you. I'm sorry. Wait, what? <laughs> Show me that monster manual. I need to see what this is. <laughs> okay, make this one up myself. It's it's completely fair, I think. <laughs> fair and balanced. Um, but yeah, he shoots a fireball and is um, kind of blocking off Aaron's route, so she has to go the long way around to where Crichton and Jelena are. Yeah, who are in the meantime, are uh, basically, they're doing something to decouple some shield pieces. Tech thing, which means that Crichton has to hold two plates away from right. each other, so otherwise they touch and the room blows up. Yeah. He's... Have these people ever heard of rope? Yeah, like, just put them on the like, other side of the room or something. Or, or put tie, like them, a... tie them down. Or put a block of, in between them. That would even work. Or something. I mean, I, I mean, maybe the charge would carry. I can imagine that. No. But even then, like, don't... Apparently... Don't have somebody who can grow tired to hold these two. Just <laughs> grab a piece of rope. We've seen chains. Just yeah, leave it around the pipe. Right there. Tie, tie it. 
tie the other one on the other side of the room, like, yeah. okay, do it, it's fine, go ahead. It's, it's a little like, bit they'll silly. They'll just hang there. I mean, John could even hold them as well, just as an extra insurance, those chains could be there. It's Yeah, it is a little bit silly, but it, it serves to incapacitate Crichton, so that... I know. Like, yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's sorry, I'm, I just found that incredibly stupid. It is kind of dumb. I was like, really? You're going to have him hold them apart? It's like, uh, ah, yeah. all right. Um... <laughs> fine. But uh, then the... <laughs> Okay, so not only can the Shayang shoot fireballs, right? Apparently yeah. their fireballs are hot enough to melt steel because he just melts down the door to the, uh, uh, you know, the engine room, wherever they are, where they're dismantling all this stuff. And I like that John's like, they spit fire? It's Why like, does nobody ever tell me anything like this? I'm like, yes, thank you, John. You understand how I feel. <laughs> I'm glad somebody said that in the episode. <laughs> Oh, that, I like that. Like, yes, nobody ever tells you this. Like, goddammit, people, inform him. He doesn't know these things. <laughs> like, Aaron didn't even know it, I think. Otherwise, he would have just shot him. Yeah, you'd think Dargo would have told them because he seems to know the most about them. But Yeah, Dargo's not that great on intelligence, I think. <laughs> yeah, low hint. So, yeah, the uh, Sheyang is sort of approaching them menacingly and is getting ready to breathe fire on them. <laughs> and John's like, okay, you know, if you kill me, these things will touch, and then we'll all die. And the Shayang's like, nah, you know, d maybe doesn't believe him or doesn't care. <laughs> and then we have the ultimate in badass moments from yep. Aaron in this episode. God, this is so good. This is this is very cool. Because like, this is perfect. This is so good because, okay, Aaron's had to take the long way around to get to them because the Shayang blocked off her exit. So she comes down from the ceiling by going down on some chains while shooting the the Shayang with yeah. her rifle on the way down. Did she did she do it on the way down? I yeah, thought she no. shot when she landed, but Well she comes down, she la she lands and then just shoots him and he explodes. She's already lined up at that point. You're right. And she has the her one line as she walks in and is like, sorry about the mess. I was just like, Oh it's so <laughs> good. Yes she, she shoots, she scores <laughs> straight Ah, oh, nice. God, that that was such a badass moment. That I was just like, so... yes, so good. Can we just for a moment appreciate Claudia Black's acting, that she can just say that with a steel face? Yeah, she's been really good this whole episode. Yeah. Like, that intensity that Aaron has been showing. She's incredibly good at it. And yeah. even despite that intensity, small mo moments of humanity in there. Like yeah. anger, a bit of amusement, things and like that. Also a bit of like vulnerability when uh, Crichton is talking to her about, you know, have you ever clicked with someone? And she's like, yeah, you maybe, I don't know. Good, yeah. good, goodbye. <laughs> that, that bit as well. But in this, in this moment, she is entirely badass and it's yeah. awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that scene so much. I, and I'm glad that the one-liner wasn't like a, you know, I don't know, he was, what a hothead or something. It wasn't like a pun. It was just like... Sorry about the mess. Yeah. Like, that's so cool. Also, also, minor note, guess what makes a return when the um, Shayang falls to the ground? Is it the splat sound effect? Yeah! Yes! <laughs> Consistency! Hear it again. Like, hey, there it is. <laughs> I think the splat sound is MVP of this episode. But wait, ah, we, we recently had Claudia Black's abs. Uh, guest starring, I think this is the pie splash sound guest starring this All right, episode. guest starring <laughs> pie splashing. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, they've they've blown up the Shayang, the one Shayang who got through. So we're back on Moya, and Crichton 
actually wants the others to let Jelena stay on the, the Zelbidian and get picked up by Krace when he comes back. And every last, like, are you crazy? Again. Like, have you knocked your head? Yeah, and again, this is a, another one of those things with Crichton, uh, Crichton's bizarre plans of what to do with Krace or how to deal with him. Like we had in um, Exodus from Genesis where he lets the peacekeepers go and tell them where they are and... So, yeah, that, that one made no sense. This, this one makes some sense. Yeah, this one makes a bit more sense. Um, but everyone else is like, well, no, we don't want to give Chris another reason to come after them. Because, well, what if she tells them and, you know, they'll find us that way. And Crichton says, well, Chris is going to come regardless of what they do. And um, Dargo, and says to Dargo and Zan that Jelena will keep their presence a secret. She will cover up for them. Yeah. And also what I like is the reason because I, I thought about that right now, the reason he wants to send the signal to Krace is because the Shang are going to be, uh, I mean, basically sitting out of the shield until they come out. Mm, yeah. So if, but if they heard the, uh, pick up the signal going to Krace's ship, they're like, oh, we need to get out of here. They'll get rid of the Shang. Yeah, so that makes some sense. The others aren't, aren't so sure. But uh, actually, Aaron vouches for her. She says, no, she will keep her word. She will, she'll, she'll lie for us. Because if she doesn't, yeah, Grace finds out who she's had contact with. Says Jelena could also be deemed irreversibly contaminated, which mm-hmm. was uh, the phrase they used from the premiere, which means you know irreversibly contaminated by exposure to enemy life forms. Yep. Um, and the penalty is death, or as Aaron says, worse, exile. Yeah, I like that banishment is apparently, or exile is apparently worse than death. Yeah. It's, Ooh. I'll take Axel over death any day of the week. I think the the idea is that as horrible as they all are, the peacekeepers do have a sense of community and belonging to mm. an organization, and to be exiled from them is really awful and horrible. I mean, it's something Aaron is experiencing. Yeah, and but Aaron says that well, Jelena is smarter than you know, telling Chris she won't do that. Yeah, and so. You know, they decide to go through there, and the Shayangs detect that Krace's command carrier is on its way because they've sent the signal out. And Dargo's like, well, I'm sorry you're leaving. <laughs> My officers <laughs> were preparing revenge. And the Shayangs like, you had nothing from the start, but you used it well. Yeah. I can respect that. There is no shame in losing from a clever enemy, and I also make a point of killing my clever enemies. It's like, <laughs> oh. Well, I like that they also don't just let him go, get away with it, you know, scot-free kind of to be no. like you know you know you're a great you're a smart guy i like that i'm gonna leave you alone it's like well no it, it makes sense that he's like okay you win this time i'm still gonna kill you though N- but next time gadget but oh, next time next time gadget <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they they depart and oh then we have jelena leaving moya which is a very kind of it's a very sad scene because it's a v- i I mean, first we have Aaron and uh, Jelena talking for a bit, and then being, and she's like, "Okay, you need to lie, yeah, because you don't want to experience this." I, I think I wish I had lied, yeah, in the beginning. Uh, and yeah, the Chris will ask you many questions, and you'll have to lie to him, you know, all the time. Um, and they kind of shake hands, and they ex- exchange, you know, this look. And Aaron is kind of upset that you know it's like Jelena gets to go back to the life that Aaron left behind kind of mm-hmm. even though she'll have to lie all the time but it's clear that even though Aaron is 
making do with being part of Moya, she still very much misses that life she used to have. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. That's what she grew up in. I mean, she grew up in a ship. Yeah. We oh, found that right. out at, at the start of the episode. We didn't mention it, but yeah, that's apparently a detail. peacekeepers don't even have their own... I mean, she never stepped foot on a planet. No, they were born and raised in ships like this because, yeah, at the, at the start, uh, she's saying that, you know, you, that Crichton would, had been telling her about his home, about um, you know, rivers and trees and things, and like, well, this is where I grew up, full of industrial, you know, metal and uh, mm-hmm. engines and all of that stuff. So, yeah, wow. so even, even so, that is a life she misses. Yeah, because that's all she's known until now, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, I did like that at the end, even though they've been at odds throughout this episode, there is this um, kind of mutual understanding between Aaron and Jelena. Yeah. Which is nice. Um, and then Jelena has to say goodbye to Crichton. I actually like the way this is shot because um, you have uh, Aaron and Jelena talking to each other, and then Aaron walks down the corridor because it's been in close up this whole time, and as she walks mm-hmm. down the corridor, it reveals that uh, John has kind of been leaning against the wall there. And like, yeah, that's a, that's a good shot of like the reveal of him sort of uh, leaning there, him being there all that time. Yeah. <laughs> then the first thing he says is like, "You free this weekend?" <laughs> and that is, I mean, that is completely in character for John. Yeah, I like that. It's that very kind of bittersweet thing of like, I know that you're leaving, but I'm just gonna, I'm still gonna have fun. We're gonna make a joke out of it, I guess. Yeah, it's like soft trying to soften the pain, really. Yeah. Yeah, like trying to cope with with humor, like he's been doing this whole time. This entire series. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Well, you know, I'm refitting this thing and refitting that thing." It's like, but other than that, I'm free. Mm. <laughs> uh, and you know, she says she's never going to see him again. They realize no. that they can't. Uh, like she can't stay because John's like, "This is no way to live." She does. He doesn't want to inflict that on her, and he can't go with her because, well, he'll get killed by Grace. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> I like how matter-of-factly she states that. He's like, "Yep, yep," but she says, "No, well, I'm never going to see you again." And he's like, "Well, yeah, no, we will, we will see each other." He's he's trying to get a bit of hope in there of that maybe one day they will. Yeah, but she's work it out, and they kiss and say their goodbyes, and it's very sad. Yeah, and I gotta hand it to, because I, I think it's the actors doing it here. I don't know if the writing is that amazing, but the actors sell this very well. Yeah. Honestly felt a bit sad for those two. Yeah, it was very affecting, very very well acted, I feel. Mm. And so this is the point at which I was watching this. I was like, oh, okay, uh, that's that's a sad end. And then I looked and I was like, oh, there's still a few minutes left in the episode. Yeah. Because that's not where it ends. Yeah, no. And I think, oh god, this episode is full of really good scenes. And I think, I, I mean, John's line here. Because okay, what oh, happens god. is Crichton has gone to see Aaron. Um, Aaron is kind of standing on uh, at command, looking out of the view screen, and just kind of standing there. And John's walking in, and he says, "Hey," and her response is, "That's a greeting I'll never understand." And they go in. And so I love this bit of dialogue where he's like, okay, well, it's... It's, it's something like, it's very universal. It can mean a lot of things. Like, how, how are you doing? Yeah, well, to see if somebody wants to talk about things. And he says, well, what do I say if I don't want to? And say, well, then you say, hey, back. And she just says, hey. hey. And then someone's like, okay. However, it can be trumped by if the person hearing that knows that the person who doesn't want to talk needs to. <laughs> Cause hey. 
Hey. <laughs> and I like that uh, Aaron looks at him and just gives him a brief smile. Yeah, that's really like, nice. You don't see her do that a lot, but she appre- really appreciates him just being like, come on, tell me. I like this, that she's not brushing him off again. She's actually like, all right, no, you got me. <laughs> Fine, let's talk. And then you know, she says you know, on her world that showing pain is a sign of weakness, and you can't understand me. You can't understand what I'm feeling. And then I like that John stands up for himself here. He's like, okay, you're always bashing on me for being weak all the time, about showing weakness and showing all that kind of stuff. But this time it was an advantage. It's what allowed us to survive by, you know, giving Jelena a chance. Yeah, and what I really like that, that she's like, you don't know me. You don't understand me at all. And then he says probably the best line oh, or, this is so good. from this entire episode. Basically like, oh, I'm always imagining what it'd be like to get back home. Being like just walking up to the uh, front door, my brother's bike uh, standing against the wall. And just going in, walking up the stairs, smelling the, smelling the breeze of the old house. Going up to my room, looking at a poster of Clint Eastwood. There's a brief glance between them like, who the hell is Clint Eastwood movie reference you know yeah and just sitting down on my bed and then I imagine what it'd be like if everybody is dead mm. like everybody I know is just lying there dead when I get back the only thing she responds with is like I stand corrected yeah because what he actually says is like what would it be like is it worth going home then if everyone I know is dead mm-hmm. and that's when she says I stand corrected yeah. And that's the end of the episode. Like, oh, what a way to end it. That's that's very heavy. That's like, so heavy. Because it it drives home what in what position Aaron is. Cuz she can never go back. There is no there is no going back to it. No. At all. And I think she's finally kind of accepting that, really that no, you can't you can't go home again. No. She's the only one of them that has nothing to go back to. Yeah. But she's not alone because John certainly in some way does understand that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way I thought that was going to go was that, you know, he doesn't have a way to go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't know if he'll ever go home again. No, but it's even worse. Like, she could in theory go home, but there's just no home left. If he can find a way, he can go home. Even if she could find, I mean, the way is pretty easy. Just go back. Yeah. She can't. Even if she couldn't prevent being killed by Kray, she still wouldn't be able to go home. No. Oh, this is so good. I love this. Ep- I really like this episode. I was a big fan of this. Just the combination of really tightly directed and shot and edited action sequences, like the uh, bit where they're trying to put the shield up, the bit where Aaron comes down from the ceiling and shoots the uh, Xiang and... All of that stuff, along with the really great drama and the relationships and the understanding between the two people, between the bonding and let's just say the bits with Aaron, John and uh, Jelena were uh, were the standout bits for me. Oh, and Rigel, of course, as well. Oh, yeah. But Dargo and Zan were, they didn't have... This wasn't their episode. No. And just the whole, you got the whole thematic thing of people cut off from their world because... Mm-hmm. Um, Jelena as well she's been cut off for that whole time she's been stuck there and she gets to go back which but... makes the fact that John and Aaron can't even worse I guess Yeah, and I like that it's kind of setting up that 
connection between John and Aaron because obviously you have that very direct thing of when Aaron says, "I found you," you know, interesting, interesting at the start. Gee, I bet they're not trying to make these two a couple at some point in the <laughs> series. <laughs> um, but then again, at the end, you have that that they do understand each other and that they actually have a lot more in common than they may have thought beforehand. Like yep. There's some common ground there. Something they to come bond out, over. They come out of this story differently than they went into it. Yeah, which definitely. Is very, which is a very good hallmark of a story. Yeah, you want that. You you want development. You want growth. And that's what we got. Along with some badass yep. action scenes. This this episode had every, everything. Yeah, I think I'm going like, to... There's a, only... If, uh, the only black mark I can find is the fact that they were holding the plates that was, away from each other. That was kind of dumb, yeah. By hands, but I think this is going to be the first time I'm going to give a 5 out of 5. Ooh, 5 out of 5. I, yeah, I was thinking I wouldn't be surprised if, the, if this ends up... I mean, if there's some inflation to this, that later on I'll expect more from a 5, but right now this is... Uh, I think this deserves the 5. I Yeah, I would agree with you. I think certainly, certainly at that top end, like 5 out of 5 or... Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I don't. Do, I, I don't want to do halves here. I don't yeah, do, no, that that gets because I really just want to give it a five. Yeah, <laughs> I want to give it a five, so I will basically. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, just everything about the peacekeepers and Aaron and John and uh, I mean they did commit that trope of the Kirk thing of like uh, meet the alien girl and fall in love and then she's gone by the end of the episode. But you know. <laughs> yeah, but I what I what I like I said I believe these two falling in love. Yeah, and they also, actually set that up believably. And also it is also used to further the character of John and Aaron as well. Yeah. It's not just there for its, its own, own sake. Yeah, yeah. Which is great actually. I like that they did do that. So that's why if it had just been there for its own sake, I probably would have taken points off for that. Mm. But it does more than just be a romantic subplot. It actually has wider implications. I yeah. And so yeah, five out of five. Yeah, and the effects were great. Like you had the CG yeah, shots the were actually shield. pretty good. Yeah, and God, the costume work on the Xiang yeah, so good. It's... And mm. I mean, it even had the spy squash down. Yeah. So here's the thing. So we've got a bit of trivia about this. Ooh. So there's there may be a reason why this is a bit more tightly edited and uh, shot and just a better overall package than previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Because this was the first episode of Farscape that was shot as a single episode. So because the Wait, previous what? the previous six episodes were shot in three back to back blocks. Oh. So they were basically um two episodes were shot back to back for the past six episodes. But this was oh. the first episode shot entirely by itself, not back to back with another episode. Self-contained. So they devoted all their time to this episode. Yes. And then, hmm. I I hope they keep doing that. Yeah. Th- I mean, this is the first time, but I I mean, shows will do that. Um, they will shoot back to back to save on time, basically, because mm-hmm. it, you know sometimes it's easier to just shoot a bunch of things back to back, especially if you don't have to change uh, location very much. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like if you're mostly on Moya, but this this had like an entire. Like half of the episode, if not more, was actually set on the Zelbinian, which is an entirely different set, like an industrial, huge industrial area. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense that they would film that as a self-contained episode. Mm-hmm. Quick other bit of trivia: the Shayang don't. This isn't actually their first appearance. They are in the background of the premiere. 
<laughs> oh yeah, they're probably in one of those planet, uh, one um, of the planets, uh, the, commerce, the planet they visit, the commerce planet. Yeah, that makes sense. I th now that you mention it, I think I might actually be able to point them out. Well, she, one of them was apparently speaking to Zan in the background, and also this was the first ever episode of Farscape aired in the world. This was a special preview to the series on um, the Sci-Fi Channel's sister network, the USA Network. Oh. Broadcast four days before the premiere aired on Sci-Fi. Oh, interesting. I mean, aside from the fact that it jumps straight to the Kirk trope, it's a very good episode. Well, yeah. My only worry is that it's, it's, for me, it stands out above the previous six. So to show people that first and then the, the ones after that, it's yeah. kind of be a little bit of a... a a letdown, not too much, but no, that I think builds up. And if you know that that's coming, you know, like okay, you can forgive the first few episodes if you know how True. good it what will get at the end. And it gets very good. <laughs> but I do think that without the context of the first six, this one does seem a bit weird. But I can also see why this is like their preview one to like show yeah. off what they can do to be like. I will also accept that bit. This so, is yeah. our this is our badass episode that we went all in on, and it really shows. Yeah. Like, this is our first five out of five. It's true. It's true. You open strong. I, I can accept that. We're only seven episodes in. We're not even halfway through the first season. Oh. Like I said, I'm, they might be, there might be some inflation. I might we'll later on, as more good episodes start piling up, I might oh expect more from a five. But yeah, that's true. But we're not going to go back and reevaluate our previous no. scores. That's too much like Other people work. get to do that. Yeah, if if you if you fans listening to this podcast want to do that, you go ahead and send us the results. I yes. ain't gonna do it. Nope. <laughs> I got too much work on my hands as it is. <laughs> I have to edit this damn thing. <laughs> I, I just need to show up. Oh. How dare you? I I got the easy job. Oh. <laughs> I'll get you next time, gadget. <laughs> All I really have to say at the end is that this was really, really good, and I really yeah. liked it. It's, next it's... week's can only disappoint. Well, well we'll see. Not. But yeah, speaking of next week, the next episode we'll be doing is That Old Black Magic. That sounds ominous. It does a little bit. It involves our old friend, well, a commerce planet. Okay. And a being who feeds off negative energy. Let's say that. Aww. Give you a little bit of a tease for okay. next time. Interesting. But yeah, now the episodes after this, they've got a lot to live up to. Yeah. You've got to compete against PK Tech Girl now. So you good got, luck, you got good to compete against Ellen Aaron. So Aaron Ripley, I'm sorry. <laughs> Aaron Ripley. Yeah, Aaron <laughs> Ripley. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Get away from him, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we will be back next week with that old black magic. And if you want to find out more about this podcast or if you want to support the podcast it is brought to you by listeners like you through the can't wear hats patreon that is patreon.com slash can't wear hats that supports all the projects that i'm doing such as this podcast live streams on twitch and all other sorts of things to come and if you want to get in touch with us you can find me on twitter at can't wear hats and you can find red nightmare at fedalkan on twitter yes. but yes we'll be back next time with that old black magic so until then have a good week, and we'll see you soon. Goodbye! Okay, so in order for the podcast to not explode, you need to hold these two plates across from each other, make sure they never touch. Can I use rope? No. Uh, okay. <laughs>